Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Talk podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Chodas. Emmett Siegel, obviously usually with us every week. He's not with us this week. Uh, I'm running solo, just like he did last week. It's August 10th, you know, fall sports are starting soon. Both of us go back to school soon for our senior years, uh, just in under two weeks. So it's that time of the year, you know, everyone's on vacation. Got to take turns a little bit here, but it's no problem. We're still here giving you your your weekly news uh, for the Terps. Uh, and I guess we can kind of transition that perfectly into what everyone's talking about. Uh, Emmett touched on this when there, was, when there were plans for it uh, last week, but now that it's official, obviously this is all over the news. It's Oregon and Washington joining the Big Ten. What are the implications on that? What's the money deal? How is it going to impact football versus other sports? Is it good? Is it bad? Uh, before we getting before we get into the is it good or is it bad part, because I'm pretty uh, passionate of what I believe, let's just discuss the facts. Uh, the facts is that these schools are going to be getting over combined over hundred million dollars, um, basically, uh, to be part of an 18 team conference that wants to win the college football playoff each and every year. Uh, this is a football move through and through. Uh, even though these schools also are really dominant in their non-revenue sports. This is a this is a football move. Um, you're bringing in two Pac-12 powerhouse. Well, the Pac-12 isn't really a thing anymore, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately for some, but uh, two powerhouses in their in their former conference. Uh, Oregon has, of course, they've been to a college football playoff in the past ten years. I believe were they. I believe they were in in the, in the inaugural year with Marcus Mariota at the helm, and then they lost that game. But either way. They're a team that's always, you know, in that in that Rose Bowl, which again is not going to be really a thing anymore. <laughs> it was in that Rose Bowl nine ten win conversation. And Washington the same, you know, they kind of had that that stretch from 20, 2016, 2020, always in that Pac twelve championship, always around the, around there that eight to ten win. So again, you're bringing in two really really good good uh, good good football schools into your conference. You're also extending your wings for the Big Ten conference. You're now literally you kind of had it with. USC and UCLA coming in 2024, but now you have spread your wings and you quite literally go from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Um, you're at this point. I mean, they you're controlling to an extent the TV markets, right? You can you can have huge primetime games that bring in millions of dollars at noon, three, six, nine, and even the 11:30, and you're kind of you're on top of the world. So for the Big Ten, obviously, well, you can kind of call it the Big 18 now, which is absolutely insane thinking about that but the sec is the same you're going to have between the big 10 and sec you're going to have two schools that come that have yeah that basically have half of all power or more than half of all power five schools uh which is pretty incredible to think about in just a few because even though conference realignment's been happening for 30 past 30 years past 20 past 10 past five past two past two months past two weeks um it's a, this is this is you're almost at the point where you you've eliminated that local regionality and those competitiveness and those rivalries that some people love uh, out of the conversation, um, and I think that's kind of where you get into the talk about the non-revenue sports. Uh, there have been a, a ton uh, just the, in the past few days of uh, of student athletes that play for and I'll say soccer and lacrosse because obviously those are two major uh, sports for Maryland. That's kind of where they get a lot of their championship pedigree from. 
um, that have said this is they're not taking into consideration, and they aren't right. They 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 want they want the dollars, which is it's a business. It's, that's that's fine, but you have to feel for these student athletes that now are going to be have conference schedules where they're playing not one game a week on a Saturday. They're playing two three games a week, and they don't and they have to go all the way across the country. I mean it's it's incredible. I mean that's why just my personal opinion, and anyone's welcome to disagree with this is. For football, fine. You have your big games. You do what you want. You can, if if Penn State needs to play Oregon, and vice versa, or think about something crazy like I don't know Rutgers prime time against UCLA in the snow in New Jersey, whatever, fine. But when you look at, you can't have for even for even for basketball, even for for men's and women's basketball, it makes no sense to me how it's got not sense. I don't understand or see how it could work in having an 18-team, no division, because divisions were eliminated for football, but even still a no-division conference, no locality, when you're playing multiple game games a week and you're practicing and you have classes, and not even just for the student-athletes, just for the fans to kind of consider, like, what is happening here? It's just, it's absolutely insane to me. And that's even before discussing, you know, these local rivalries and you want more parity, more competition, whatever. I just... I'm I'm super intrigued to see how, how to see how this all plays out for the fall of 2024 when everything will be instilled with USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. I think it's going to be so fascinating to see what happens in football one, but I think in the non-revenue sports even well, men's basketball and then the non-revenue sports I think even more so. I think that is going to be so fascinating to watch to see how that how that all goes down. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think you know Maryland playing Oregon on there splashy green center court thing in the on a Tuesday night at 11. I think that can be interesting, but I, I just don't see how it's going to work for the other 20, 22, 23, whatever uh, sports in those student athletes. But I, again, I think it's fascinating what's happening. Um, you've seen the conference in the Pac-12 basically go away. You're seeing the ACC wants to acquire Stanford and Cal. They probably are at this point. Uh, you know, the Big 12 is kind of staying afloat right now they're acquiring like mid-level schools that's working um and the sec is just doing whatever it can to have one through 12 in in football um and then you know michigan ohio state penn state for the big 10 but quite literally uh you're having it's conference conferences or power five conferences are becoming a monopoly um and it's it is what it is but back to maryland uh and we'll we can and we can continue with football talk because there was some uh, hard news with that. Uh, we can start well. Uh, start with uh, the quarterback, uh, Talia Tagovailoa, uh, was named to the uh, Davy O'Brien preseason award watch list, uh, given to the top quarterback in the nation. All these awards are top thirty-five, um, but for the watch list. So Tagovailoa was named to the Davy O'Brien award watch list. Uh, Roman Hemby, uh, Roman Hemby was also named uh, to the preseason watch list. Uh, he was named to the preseason watchers for the Doak Walker Award, given to the top running back in the nation. And Jay Sean uh, Barham, another uh, rising sophomore like Hemby, was uh, named to the Buckus Award preseason watch list, which goes to the best linebacker in college football. I think Barham, I think he's a fascinating player to look for this upcoming season. Uh, debatably, I don't want to take Maryland's best defender last year, but his impact as a freshman, I mean take over the middle of the field, kind of did everything that he was asked of and 
dropped his head down and I think he is in for an explosive sophomore season, and I'm so intrigued to see uh, what he's able to do early on, especially in the schedule. I think Maryland has a very favorable schedule, and I think that defensively they'll have some real opportunities to kind of inflate the, the, the scorecard, if you will. So I'm really intrigued to see on both sides of the ball, really, of what what, what we kind of see from those three guys because it's kind of lined up perfectly for them to have really big numbers for the first three, four games of the season. Um. Recruiting-wise, uh, should touch on this. Uh, three-star wide receiver, uh, Makai White, a longtime Maryland priority recruit, uh, committed to Maryland on Tuesday. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, A Virginia kid. Um, it looked kind of looked like his top two were Michigan and Maryland. So Maryland fans, I think, will, will like that, that he chose the Terps over. But Maryland had been targeting him for a really long time. I think they were they wanted, they wanted to, you know, kind of add to an, an explosive wide receiver core. Super, super, super speedy kid. Um, we, we rank him as a three-star. We use 24-7 for our ratings. Um, some other sites have considered him a, uh, a four-star. But either way, if you, when you look at Maryland's current recruiting class for class of 2024, it looks really solid. Um, a lot of highly rated three stars. You have two. You have two four stars in Dewan Williams and Brandon Jacob. Brandon Jacob being the highest rated player of the class so far. But you're kind of building a really solid foundation there, and I think that's kind of what Mike Loxley's been saying. We want to build a foundation and kind of build from within, but also use the portal. And Maryland has used the portal. They have some guys that will definitely be interesting to to, to look at this year. You know. Um, you know, d- defensively, look at a guy like Jordan Phillips and in, in, in from Tennessee. I mean, Jaquan Shepard from Cincinnati. But just looking at, at the recruiting class they have right now, 18 guys are ready for the class of 2024. No guy lower than a three-star. Uh, so it's kind of you're building a lot of solid players. It looks like, again, it's recruiting. Players can flip. You don't know You don't know what to expect of them. But Makai White, uh, getting a getting a wide receiver for them is definitely uh, when a, a class where they got a lot of guys between the trenches too. So he's only the stay with me. He's only the second uh, wide receiver uh, that Maryland. You think when you think of Maryland, you kind of think of a wide receiver school. So only the second wide receiver in that class. So just some news to think about. And when signing day comes, we got a few months to, uh, to that. But definitely should be a lot of interesting stuff coming then. Uh, we'll kind of pivot over. Uh, actually, before we move over to men's basketball, I just had a few things to go over there schedule-wise. Uh, we can briefly talk about Maryland baseball, just hound on this. Uh, something that athletic, athletic director Damon Evans uh, mentioned back when they were breaking through on the basketball f- practice facility was that next in line, they have a bunch of things in line, but next in line was breaking through on an indoor baseball facility. Um, and they will be doing that shortly, as Matt Swope tweeted out uh, or put on social media we'll say uh recently uh, it's the 9,000 square feet indoor facility uh they'll have a pitching and a hitting section and i think everyone can agree that maryland needs massive upgrades uh for baseball uh the stadium the bob is fun environment lacking uh they don't really have a true high quality uh, practice facility like their other sports do in football and basketball and this is a team that's debatably had the most success over the past uh past few years out of any program so Good to see them, if you're a Maryland fan, um, improving uh, their facilities. And uh, the last thing uh, that we can touch on, just a short, quick pod, just, you know, until next week when we really get fall sports moving in. Talk about basketball, men's basketball for a little bit. Uh, The first thing was uh, 
they had their uh, their exhibition tour in Italy uh, this past week. It was a nine-day thing, but they finished their first three games bef- uh, before the end of the trip. Uh, to no surprise, really, they went 3-0. and um, They won those games by 50 points, 55 points, 40 points, 30 points. So no surprise there. Some of the highlights, though, uh, Jameer Young kind of came out of the gates in the first game, 19 points, as expected. Julian Reese threw in a triple-double. Uh, a tri- triple. He's not throwing a triple double. He threw in a double double. Um, but a guy who did flaunt with a triple double uh, in one of the games was fr- was incoming freshman Jamie Kaiser, who is debatably the Terps' best player from what we've heard. Uh, in 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 the the trio of games, he had uh, forty seven points over the three games to lead all scores. Um, had six steals in one of those games as well, and then fellow incoming freshman, kind of the star of of the twenty twenty three class. Uh, Deshaun Harris-Smith also had a really solid, consistent three games. Had, you know, had double-digit scoring in two games. Had nine points in the other, but um, across all three games, had 25 points, 20 rebounds, 15 assists. Um, and rising sophomore, uh, Cam Swanton Roger, he he threw in 16 points in the Terps' final game. So again, Kevin Miller said he was going to throw in six, seven, if not more lineups during during these games, kind of just to get a feel. So the guys can get a feel for each other, you know, maybe, you know, try to think about some lives again, practice uh, before the season starts. But again, got a while before that. But speaking of the season, there was some scheduling news that we should go over uh, for the Asheville Championship that will take place in early November. Fingers crossed we will be able to make it there in person. Um, the schedule for that was supposedly released or reportedly released um, by CBS Sports insider John Rothstein saying that the Terps will open up against Davidson and Clemson will face UAB uh, in the first round of that tournament. So that's a very favorable matchup for Maryland. Um, and it kind of looks like they're gearing up for a Maryland uh, for a Maryland-Clemson uh, final in that. Obviously, Maryland looking to repeat as, you know, repeat as champions in their uh, in-season tournament. Last year kind of t- took them to 9 or 10-0, I believe, so... Again, Maryland has a gets a favorable draw in the Asheville Championship, so that's definitely selling that good news for them. They'll say they don't care, but it's good news for them. And I guess just a little thing we should probably hound on because I can't believe that it's already August. I mean, that's just absolutely crazy. But it is August, which does mean that all fo- uh, all fall sports are starting soon. Uh, the fr- and you can go over to TestudoTimes.com. We have we love. Uh, season previews coming out. We'll have game previews, player previews. We'll have a bunch of those coming out in the next few weeks for all of our fall beats uh, to kind of give you guys a rundown of that. That's field hockey, men's soccer, women's soccer, volleyball, football. So those sports will all be covered over at Um The first team that will kind of kick off their season uh, is women's soccer. Uh, they already had an exhibition game, um, and they will officially start off their season on August 17th um, against American. Again, just going over this now because by the time next week comes, probably be the day after our pod, so we'll probably be able to just kind of, well, but we'll probably get into football previews uh, over the next pod or two, but we'll definitely briefly discuss some of these games. Men's soccer begins their season the week after on August 24th. And volleyball as well, just to kind of give give you guys a rundown, starts August 25th. And last but not least, field hockey uh, begins their season August 25th as well. 
So a lot of fun Maryland sporting events uh, to look forward to as the fall season gets underway. Classes are getting underway soon. We'll all be back on campus soon. So a lot to look forward to. And we'll be back with you next time on the Testudo Talk Podcast. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.